You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Black Sales After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Black Sales After Show. Ooh, applause for everyone. Thank you for joining us today, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Black Sales After Buzz TV show, episode six. Can we say it now? V.I. Oh, I was about to give another I. Sorry, I'm one week ahead. No, we're we're in for the eyes now. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Ryan Hooks. Joining me today, we have a lovely, amazing, talented panel. Uh, To my left... Roya Tahiri. Hello, everybody. I am out here. Yay. I'm everyone. Someone Thanks, in YouTube yay. commented that they wanted to see your face and not put her in a box. So here she is. Hello. Right next to me, <laughs> looking good. Uh, even farther to my left, Mr. Manas Rose. Hey, what's going on, guys? Loving that hey. tuxedo t-shirt. That's right. Special yeah. Dressing for the occasion with Special occasion, Oscar Sunday. <laughs> Gotta look your best. And ladies and gentlemen, today we have an amazing... Talented, very special guest today, director of episode number six and number eight for Black Sales, Mr. TJ Scott. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me here. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to have you. On Academy Award night. On Academy Award yeah. night. Yeah, I fantastic. actually wrote notes in gold pen for a hot minute, and then I was like, I can't read these. <laughs> Wait, by so the were they way, your gel uh, pens? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After this, TJ, um, he asks you, has to go to a lot of really awesome parties, so, you know, Thank you very much. When you're a famous director, you get to go to awesome parties. If not, you work. That's where I have my on, but I think I should have had like this with this. We should combine it. <laughs> that we, been, we may switch shirts. Is that, a, is that a product tux or did you end up, you know? Uh, this is Versace. Going to the Versace? Yeah. I saw on your Twitter you are talking about which one you were going to wear. Uh, it's a product you, you phrased shirt. that question wrong. You're supposed to say, who are you wearing? Who, who are you wearing, wearing today on the uh, <laughs> black John. carpet here at After Buzz Black yeah. Sales? <laughs> but anyway, thank you for joining us. We had an awesome episode. What did you guys think? I mean, this has probably been the best episode yet. I one word, Billy. Uh, we know how you feel about Billy Bones' arms, Billy. and they weren't strong enough to hold on. Monas, what do you think? It was the best. It really, it was. I loved it, and we'll get into it later. But it was entirely at night. It was airy. This was true pirates. You know, this is a lot better than any rider movie. It was creepy and airy, and ooh, it was good. I think we can uh, attribute great directing to that as the reason that it was so great. Thank you, and uh, Heather Belson wrote it, did a fantastic job, and uh, of course the executive producers guiding it did an awesome job, uh, you know, John Steinberg, who really controls the scripts, and really this is, uh, it, it, this is kind of a pressure cooker leading up towards you know, the season finale. Uh, after this episode, things start to go a little wilder, and by the season finale, they just kind of explode, yeah, so can... this is little powder keg you know even we had a powder keg, had a powder keg. <laughs> but really that was the way we looked at this episode it's very tight and tense and it's all about the actors and it wasn't you know the big ships this time it was kind of a tighter more intense type episode and you can definitely feel the tension building among all the different characters and all the different plots that are going on uh, and that something major is coming down the line yeah and i mean we're starting to get hints of what those things could be but I feel like there's going to be an explosive finale, dare I say it. Yeah, John and Robert, who are uh, the two executive producer writers on this, really choreographed the entire season to 
you know, they knew that this was the type of episode that people would watch, you know, back-to-back episodes. And, and so they lay in little hints, and they don't spell it all out for you. And you've really got to pay attention to get it all. And we've commented, I think, throughout the the season here at AfterBuzz on a lot of the different things that we've been picking up, little hints here and there, and comments about different things mm-hmm. that we see. You know, I've been talking a lot, and I see a lot of things with the relationship between a, dem- dem- a democratic society, rather, and a monarchy, where Flint plays that role of the pirate king, almost, and yeah. he's always looking towards that next role of him being the pirate king, and, you know, everyone else is moving towards this democratic feel. So I get a lot of tension in that, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of buildup coming. So. Well, I'm afraid for the finale. Then, if what you're saying is true, and I'm, I'm sure it is, I'm gonna need a strong drink for that after show. I mean, just saying, like, <laughs> I was already stressed out in this episode, and if there's a lot more that's gonna come, all hell breaks loose. <sighs> all hell, let me say, literally breaks loose. <laughs> so let's talk about the episode then. Let's get right yeah, into it yeah, and see go what's for going it, on. Go for it. So there's so many different plot points in this episode, which is great. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Because we get a show that has a lot of strong characters. We've had a lot of strong character development. And we're getting to a point now where we can kind of split off into all these different plots and follow each of their stories, which, you know, makes for a solid episode. Gives a lot of entertainment. Uh, Mr. Scott was one of the ones that we were really surprised last week when he showed up on the boat uh, in chains as a slave uh, under Captain Bryson. So he shows up this week uh, as part of the episode and is still in chains. They're trying to encourage him to basically help to escape and he he's against it he's fighting against what they're trying to tell him he's like ah, i know I'm, I'm i'm this and i don't i want to go home to my, my people but, but the woman is in his ear the whole episode just kind of egging him on i mean do you think it's because he was betrayed that he doesn't want to help them anymore or do you think it's because he does i know he said it in the episode that he doesn't want the guns to return back to um eleanor but do you think it's more mostly that or do you think it's because he was betrayed I think it's more his belief of his position. Because, I mean, this is the first time we've ever seen any kind of element where they're talking about slavery. Yeah. Uh, and that is a very prevalent thing in this period of time where people that were slaves weren't ever really necessarily freed. They were often just made part of the crew. They were brought in and you work for us now. You know, you're not, we're still a slave. Or they would sell them. They would take slaves from other ships and sell them. Yeah. So it was an interesting thing to see because now he's questioning, I think, himself and what his position is in the society he has at New Providence. But I think his, uh, he, he never forgets Eleanor. And Eleanor yeah. really is who he wants to protect. And uh, most of his decisions, uh, I think, are always driven by Eleanor. And, For sure. And a loyalty to her. Uh, and that's that's where everything drives from. you know. And he's willing to sacrifice himself. And protect her. Yes. Because they brought so, that up. Go ahead. Is it loyalty or is it love? I mean, not not as in a brotherly, sisterly kind of love. I mean, in love. Or can I not? I can't ask. Oh, you, Do you, think you can ask that. You can ask that. You yeah. can ask that. I, I actually think it's a loyalty. But, uh, you know, loyalty and love, you know, it's a, it's a fine line. But I, I think it really is a loyalty to her. So when you were directing that scene with him, was that how you described it to him? or No, he knew exactly what okay. he wanted to do in that scene. Uh, it was interesting. 
uh, and Sabongale, who was uh, the young actress who, who mm-hmm. played opposite, is who, who so was titled strong. titled woman mm-hmm. only, <laughs> only in the episode. I don't know what her character name the, was. As I said, woman. Sabongale, she's a fantastic actress. What a what a face! And uh, yeah. she kind of comes out of modeling and acting in Cape Town. I mean, she's such a discovery. Uh, but I loved how hard she pushed him. I mean, she was just pushing Scott, pushing him, mm-hmm. wasn't I she? I feel like, like you guys kind of hit a gold mine with some of the actors and actresses you got out of the Cape Town market. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many people in this show that are just, you know, min- minimal characters here and there. Minor characters have some lines. But they're all so funny or so strong or they all have great characters that they've developed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tits, tits. Yeah, tits, uh, fruit, you know. tits, fruit, 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 fruit yeah. plant, plant. I mean, that was an amazing part. And he, uh, he was back again in this oh, episode. Yeah, right. So, and, and even Mr. Yeah. Guthrie is a, a South African local. Yes, yeah, Shawn Michael. Yeah, Shawn Michaels. Uh, he, he's a very well-known actor there, though. Uh, right, and he, he's a fantastic actor and great to work with. He wasn't in this episode, and I'd actually worked with him ten years before uh, on a show called Charlie Jade. So. It was kind of funny. Well, whoa, whoa, you're not my episode. This is crazy. Of course, yeah. <laughs> want, you want to hang out with him, meet up with him. So, no, he actually, I speak with him pretty regularly on Twitter, and he had nothing but nice things to say about you. So, fantastic. Sorry, Mr. Guthrie, we did miss you this week. Yes. But, or did we? Or did we? I don't know. Uh, I, have this, I have hate towards his character. Roya has so. made no quietness of. Well, there's yes. a lot of characters you can hate on this show. Yeah. I have I mean, a hit list, and one of them's already gone. And, uh, yeah. So, I have a question, actually. <laughs> the question that we actually asked Mark Ryan as well, and I'd like to ask you. What's it like working on a show that has no clear villains and heroes? Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, that, that's the way it should be, is everybody's got darkness inside them. Everybody has light. And, and to, like with Flint, you just, you, you want to love him, and the guy keeps doing crappy things to everybody uh, and everybody around him. You don't trust him, and but he's fantastic. You know, you just kind of want to hang with him, too. And I think that's... Yeah, you want to be his friend, but you want to fight him, and but you don't think you trust him. But... That's why he's the captain. You you totally believe him. He can sell you the dream. He can sell you everything, and uh, he's fantastic. Yeah, the the, the shades of gray in, in these characters are fantastic. Everyone has shades of gray in them. Uh, you know, even Mark Ryan's character. You mm-hmm. just you know he knows things about the captain. He's everything. not giving up. He knows everything. So you know, there no I, nobody is just one dimensional. And I think that's what really is setting this show apart from other shows that are on TV right now. You know, because we cover sixty seven shows here at After Buzz, mm-hmm. and. A lot of shows are very similar in the, the theory and the thought process behind them. And this show has kind of gone against the mold of what people expected it to be. Coming out of the gate, everyone's like, oh, it's a Michael Bay yeah. Stars production. It's going to be nudity and it's going to be explosions. And they've really set that apart and they haven't had minimal nudity and minimal explosions. Yep. Uh, it, I mean, we saw some in this episode. We've seen some in the last couple episodes. Wait, wait, wait. Minimal nudity? Is that really what you just said? Listen. Through this entire series? Or? This wait, is, this episode was minimal nudity. In, in terms <laughs> of Spartacus, it's uh, minimal nudity. Yeah. Have you seen Spartacus? Because this is minimal nudity every single That's week fair. compared That's to, fair. to other stars' shows. Uh, but there's nudity in each one, so. I mean, you got a little bit, right? A little bit. You got, a, you got a good view of a lot. I sound like a real perv saying that I can call, point out all of them, but still. Well, like, you need to focus anyways, on moving, yeah, go moving on. Around. So Mr. Scott had a great uh, little part this week, and so we've got two Mr. Scots that are important to us this week. Nope, nobody on that? Okay, I'm all right. Uh, and, and he's became pinnacle in the escape, and a, a huge turning point of this episode where they figure out that the cloth had been slipped out of the hole, the porthole in the front of the ship. They slip in a weapon, basically, Get the guards down, choke out the guards, and start a riot. 
But when we were watching it, you were like so pissed off at, Monis- at, 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 was, at was, Scott for a second when he gave I up. I did. Uh, I was be- I was believing it. Yeah, yeah. I, when I was, he gave up the woman, yeah, yeah, like in yeah. the studio, screaming at the TV, like, "What are you doing? No!" <laughs> that, that's how intense this episode was. I mean, this, but this was such a great episode. I was in it. I wasn't distracted. I wasn't thinking of any other thoughts. This yeah. was a compelling. That was a compelling scene. And then the camera angles. We'll get into that. Then suddenly came shaky and chaotic. It wasn't all ballad driven. It wasn't beautiful anymore. I was like, whoa, I was in this world. Hey, it was still beautiful. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> keep keep that in mind. It was true, still beautiful. True. It was, it was meant beautiful. to be shaky and, right, and beautiful. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, and it's a tribute to that where, again, these characters that we see, are seeing every single week, you believed immediately that you suddenly now can't trust him. Less than an episode ago, he was our best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a great how they can turn it on and off like that. Uh, Pinnacle and the escape, and then a huge plot driving point because now they were able to get into the stronghold and they are able to get the guns that they so desperately need. Uh, after this fight scene, all the pirates come busting down and are shooting, stuff blows up. We finally get our big kill shot this week. You know, Bryson taken into the oh, face. Bryson mm-hmm. in the face. Which, oh, yeah. one, of the things I, one of the things I didn't like about this week's episode, there was two things yeah. that I want, I want to talk about that I didn't like about this week's episode. Number one, I wanted to see more about Bryson and what was going on in the stronghold, mm-hmm. or just with them and what they were doing to protect themselves. And number two, I wanted to see more about the Scarborough, because it's mentioned last week. They showed it for a second. It's talked about throughout this entire episode. It shoots on them, hits them, but we don't know how close or how far it is, but we never actually see the Scarborough or find out anything more about it. Can I ask a question you about can, that? You yes. can ask him. Why did the boat wait to attack them? Because they didn't know where they, they were. They didn't know where they were. Yeah, it but was they, night. Didn't it's they night. know before, though, when but they But it were... became at nighttime, and they, yeah, just, and they drifted <laughs> three miles. <laughs> that, well, that was one of the things about uh, being a pirate at night was, you know, unless it was a full moon, and you happened to be right there, you you weren't going to find the people. You, you could find them it. in the daytime, you know, if you got someone up in the crow's nest. But that's really going back to the the way pirates really did operate was a lot of their sailing was at night, and a lot of their work was at night when they couldn't be seen. Mm. Um, yeah, so, basically, that's what they and they yeah. said they had drifted about three miles from their original starting point. Okay, throughout the course of the night, that the tide had pushed them yeah. away from where they started, so the Scarborough couldn't see them. But as soon as the bomb went off, yeah, they became clear where they were located because it was yeah. a large enough explosion that they could see them from several miles away. It became a Marco Polo game. Yes, <laughs> there, there, there was more in the Bryson's. Uh, the thing is, when you shoot a TV show, you yeah. know, you it's got to fit into a times, you know. 55 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever this came in at. And we probably shot an hour and 20 of good material. Was there and more it, filmed with Bryson in this scene? Yeah, I, I think there's probably two days of filming that ends up on the editing room floor. And there was actually a lot of good Bryson stuff. And the whole world of what they were doing inside there was filmed. Just, you know... Was, wasn't as important as the Mr. Scott escape. Exactly. Wasn't as important as the pirates' betrayal yeah. that was going on. Wasn't important yeah. as what happened in New Providence. Yeah. So... There was an important scene that Bryson did, though. You saw him create that self-device, the explosion, yeah. the bomb, yeah. so that way, if worst case, yeah. they all go down. Well, which was so kind of the have... one thing that we ended up keeping in, you yeah. know, was that's you needed to know what he was doing there, that he was building this thing. Because you see him crawling towards it after he'd been shot mm-hmm. in the yeah. face, yeah. trying to reach it and set it off, but then the other yeah. pirates do set it off because they find perfectly the powder. Yeah. So why not use it and kill themselves? But that's that's kind of a good Bryson beat too. Is like he was willing to go there and just like to go pull, down with yeah. his ship. pull it and go yeah, down with the ship. A, he wanted to go down with the ship. It was a good pirate, you know. Yeah. Good. Well, actually, he wasn't a pirate. You know, he's right. a, more of a military, uh, a military guy, but a, a good captain. Says yeah. a lot about him and his integrity, I think, as, yeah. a, as a character, yeah. which is unfortunate that we no longer get to see him in, yeah. in the show because yeah. we had very little with him. And his, he's a fantastic his, actor, though. Yes, yeah. a great face. 
It wasn't. Yeah, yeah last week's episode, he had a lot of good stuff. Going yeah, on. definitely. So in this episode two, we get just a small hint uh, of Miranda's going ons, but we also get the large bit with Miranda's letter. Uh, in the scene with Miranda, we find out that the pastor has come to see her, mostly because he wants to warn her and protect her and the things he f- hears about Flint and Mr. Underhill. But really, it's not what he wants. No, because it's at night and she's all alone, <laughs> bound to go out. Wow, well. that's exactly what went down. Did, did, do you think he really went there with that intent? I think he did, but he didn't expect it to actually happen. I feel like every time yeah. he's been showing up at the house, that was his intent the entire time, somehow yeah. to get in. Because you see him when he sits down and has tea with her, he's staring at her tits the entire time. So I think that's how his character was, and. The fact. So, what makes you think then that he expected that? Is there her reputation, maybe, that's going around the island, or no? I don't think it was that at all, because I think they really sort of saw her as a puritanical woman, and, and he didn't really know. Uh, but I think he was just kind of driven by passion, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 he actually did want to give this news that you know um, uh, Underhill had was now protecting Guthrie, but. Could have waited till the morning. Could have waited. Till the morning. <laughs> I mean, we, we did see in episode four where there was a, a small child that came by and called her a witch. Mm-hmm. So her appearance on the island is more than just this puritanical woman, I think. And the fact that other people see her as someone that can't be trusted or someone that's into black magic or something different than what she really is. I don't know where you're originally going to go with that. No, that was the little well, boy. I was like, whoa. <laughs> she's an interesting character because we got all sorts of little bits about, you know, now a little bit about her yeah, husband. Now we got some her husband Thomas. had an alternate, you know, style of living and all this sort of thing. So it's, uh, I think a lot of that's actually going to come out in season two. Mm-hmm. Where we get more about, because she did talk about it was a very different life, that her husband was very intelligent and yeah. that he would have sat and talked and played this game all day that the pastor and Miranda play, but he would have played it all day. Yeah, and, and, then, like, and then the fact that Flint was actually her savior, you know, comes out. So yeah, the deliverer is what the word deliverer, used. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you start to get that uh, interesting storyline going on, going, what really is between these two, you know? And I keep bringing up, too, uh, the, the reason that they talked about the books that she's been reading and the book she gave to Mr. Guthrie uh, about Marcus Aurelius and mm-hmm. how his rise to power actually came because of the women that were around him. And I feel like her role in the show is she's the reason he's in power. Uh, and then she, we found out she writes this letter. Uh, that's being sent to England and she sent 500 pounds with it as well. And, you know, basically that Flynn is about to repent and he's doesn't want this life any longer. And he is essentially trying to become a new man so that they should forgive him and all his transgressions, basically using maybe some of her influence on these other people. Yeah. I mean, honestly, after this episode with seeing what she did with the pastor, I feel she's a black widow. I don't think she has anything good with any of the guys that she's going to touch. Like, Anything, any guy she touches, something bad's going to happen. And she has control over it. And that's her putting her venom in them. And just, what? No, I'm... I, no, no, you're... You <laughs> know what? Oh, okay. See, I think you're completely right that this this scene... Uh, and, and I, you know, this is near the end of the season. This is happening. And I don't know what happens in season two necessarily. Uh, but it, it's the beginning of her power. It is the Black Widow coming mm-hmm. out in her. And I think she just all of a sudden starts to strike. And I think she's going to continue to strike because... You can see it there that she's yeah. got that that power within her. Well, you even seen in that other episode, sorry, real no. quick, uh, when she's having sex with Flint, like you see her, she's enjoying it, she's taking it in, she's and yeah, and so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but was. I mean, like you see that the power of like it's brewing inside mm-hmm. of her, and mm-hmm. therefore she's just yeah, yes. like the whole black. Woman, no, I know, you know it's 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 yes, that's exactly what it is. And I just like the point like with black sales the script that a lot of these scenes in general are very off the nose but then with miranda especially at the end it was 
on those. You didn't come here for this. You came here for this. Boom, direct. Slammed him against yes. the wall, took Sla- the top off. Exactly. There's right there's the no there's no subtleties with this whatsoever. And there's many many times in this episode where there's a lot of off the nose dialogue, but then it's then direct. You know exactly what's going on. Know, yeah. know what's behind their thoughts and mm-hmm. what they're doing. Yes. And why they're doing it. Yes. <laughs> well, teacher, can I ask you a question about mm-hmm. that scene? What? How is it? Obviously, it's different than when you direct a different scene. But when you do a sex scene, what is it that you have to keep pointers out? And we we, we go and block it out, and that's, that's an important thing. We block them out ahead of time, and uh, it, it's one of those things that you need to do. You need to get the actors. You explain what you'd like to do. You you find out their comfort levels. You you know because she took her hand and put it. Right on, you know, took his hand, put it right on her mm-hmm. breasts, reached down there, and all that sort of stuff. So you have to go over there and you sort of set the, the the ground rules ahead of time with no one else around, just me and the actors. And then we actually just write it up so that we're all in agreement. This is what we're going to do. So there is a whole set of uh, uh, of ground rules that go with that and what we're going to see. And uh, and then when we came to film it, they were, you know, actors are always nervous about it because it's not like they haven't had sex or something before, but there's not normally 70, 100 people watching, watching you crew. take your shirt off and this sort of stuff and grab someone and kiss. So, uh, But they were fantastic with it. They were like just just spot on. And, and you know what? Actors always are. They just rise to it. and It's acting. Now, was when you were blocking it, were you using doubles to block it or were you actually using the actors? No, no, I block it with them. Okay. I'm, 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 I was thinking of Love Actually, you know, the scene where the couple that's a block. The, the whole time they're, they're blocking <laughs> the porn yeah. movie and they're going on a date. They've been naked together yeah. and blocked out porn, but now it's weird to go on a date. Yeah. I knew we were going with that. Look, I come from Spartacus, so this is nothing. This thing. is nothing if you've seen Spartacus. So I have a question then. In relation to, you know, in TV shows, usually there's a different director for multiple different episodes. It, how does it differ? Because, you know, in film, you have a director who goes in and they set out the whole process. Do you have to stay within certain thoughts and regulations that are laid out to you, you know, by your exec producers and by the showrunners who say, okay, this is what we've been doing and this is where we want to stay? You know, is it sort of blocked out where it limits some of your directorial creativity? You just stole my question. I'm putting my notes on this side. I didn't even see that question. (laughs) I I wouldn't say that it necessarily limits it. It's just, you know, this is the playing field that we're on and this is the game that we're playing and and this is the look and the style and what we want to get. Uh, And certainly on this show, it's... uh, I I would say the the driving thing from the executive producers is it's about the words. You know, the words are important here because they're so subtle... And, and like you said, you know, you don't spell stuff out right away. It, it's just, it's got to be so subtly in there that the camera's in there a lot of the time. It's not about the big epic shots that uh, we do on some shows. Uh, this is it's a little bit more contained. And, and so that's sort of the, the sort of the, the one marching order is, is to make sure that all the words are there and that the words are said the way they're written. Uh, because they all, they might be leading to something in season two. So you don't want to skew them around because you don't know. Because there's a purpose behind all of them. And there's a lot of great little speeches and little moments in this show where the dialogue is very important. Mm-hmm. And you see that, you know, we see the scenes with Billy and Gates where they're pulled aside and they're having these conversations. Uh, and Mark Ryan even alluded when he was in here that he's got a big monologue coming in later in the season uh, in one of the episodes he's really excited about. And oh, he, in the season finale, he's yeah, got a long one. He's got, he's got like the longest monologue <laughs> he's, he's ever he's had. He's got two huge ones. Yeah. And, and even in, in this episode, you know, I really, there's two great monologues in this episode that I really enjoyed. Uh, I liked when the two captains were talking about what was going to happen if Eleanor came out of the room and decided to not lift the ban on Vane. Yeah, how it was going to basically mean the doom of the island. Because, yeah. you know, we got Lily White outside, yeah. as always, protesting everything that was going on. And the other one that was really great this week was with Silver, where he's talking to Eleanor and how, he, you know, she, 
he always thought that it was Flint that he should fear, but now he realizes that it mm-hmm. wasn't Flint. It's, it's mm-hmm. Eleanor that he should be afraid of. Mm-hmm. And he's got that speech to her and, you know, talking about people shouldn't mess with you because you're, you're the power in the island. Yeah. Which he, that whole shot was amazing when he was talking about the candles low and every, oh, it was beautiful. And then what I really <laughs> loved is we went back to a similar shot when the guy comes in and says it's done and, and Eleanor just turns to camera and we kind of tried to do like a little bit of a Michael Corleone thing where she's, you know, really shifted and you just start to see that darkness and you know, oh, now she's, she's going even darker. She's going deeper and she will. And we did see that uh, some of the darkness in her, uh, when Ann Bonnie came to her and asked, you know, pitched the idea basically in this episode that we need to kill Hammond and that we need to get rid of him because he's basically the cause of all this. And she says, no, that's not enough. If you want to go deep, we need to kill everybody. Yeah. All eight of them need to die. Yeah, her her darkness has really been amped up in this uh, episode, and it continues on during the series. And you know, she's she's playing on the playing field with the the big boys, and she knows what needs to be done. And and now she's she's the player, indeed. And yeah. again, I, I think this with her goes back to more of my democracy debate, and and the aspect of is she now looking at that monarchy character where she wants to be the queen of this island, mm-hmm. and she wants that role in her life. I I think so. I, I think she totally does. Yeah. I agree. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. We're doing it. Let's talk, about, let's talk about Eleanor some more. So, because in the episode, you know, the scene starts off where she's in her office debating about everything that's going to happen, and they're outside. You know, hey, is she coming out? She's been in there for several hours. She comes out finally, and Horningold doesn't give her the chance to talk. Just says, "I'll make the announcement." Look, I think this is one of the biggest things is that um, you know you can kill people and that says something, but to completely swallow your pride in front of everyone, that's a darkness too. Mm-hmm. That's like for her. To completely come out in front of all those people and say, "Okay, I was wrong. I, I'm going to lift this band." And not say anything, really. And, but... Uh, but you know, it's it's like, okay, she's willing to go places. Like even by doing that, it doesn't have to be kill people to go places. It can be, you know, taking that sort of shame on in front of people is, is something where you go, that character is going to go deep and dark. Mm-hmm. And you can see it too because she comes out, doesn't say anything. Horning Gold says, "Okay, cool. I'll make the announcement." Goes off to tell Lily White and everyone else that the band has been lifted. But we see. Hammond and the men all standing in the laughing background. at her laughing yeah, at her and she takes it yeah. he blows a kiss yeah. even at her yeah. and almost is this in her face taunting her yeah. which is what sets up I think a lot of the darkness of this episode for her yeah. and where she goes with it yeah you have something to say Anna, no I'm just I'm waiting until we get there oh, what, well, she's just oh, no go ahead uh, Eleanor is just not a wussy anymore I mean, no. she is well she never has been though. I, I know but she was called some names in this episode I'm, I'm, you know, and she's not that is whatever, you know. That's because Anne Bonnie has a language all her own, (laughs) (laughs) which is great. I love that we got to see more of Anne Bonnie because she's had very limited dialogue and she's been in a lot of episodes and she's appeared and had, you know, some little parts here and there. She's been hidden under the hat. She's been hidden under the hat. We got to see. Which, by the way, I feel she has two personalities, one with the hat and now one without the hat. I feel like the hat, she's, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm feeling like the hat is like a character in itself. Mm-hmm. I, I feel, I, you know what, it's true, and it was very purposely done that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The hat. Yeah, I, I, I and... had to get that hat off, to, you know, when she was, when, when she's with Rackham, she's got to have another side to her. Yeah. And, Which is interesting and, because the last couple of weeks we've been debating on if there's something going on between Max uh, and, and Bonnie. Because we see her, she's kind of being the protector. And is there some kind of love between them? Is is she in love with them? Uh, you know, it, it, we haven't really been able to distinguish for sure what's been going on. But she has been there, been watching over her, and if you will, protecting her. And then this is the first time we see her in a situation where she's not with Max. She's with Rackham, and she's with Calico Jack, and 
obviously they must have just had sex because <laughs> in the first episode, you know, she makes a comment to him. She's like, I'm horny. Let's go. Yeah. Yep. So we know there's a relationship between them, but they never elaborate on it until this episode. There's a fair amount of ACDC in this series, in case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> no uh, uh, well, I mean, we've already seen uh, um, uh, Eleanor, you know, be with a guy, be with a woman. It just uh, seems to happen. Um, but no, there's 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 something brewing there. There's definitely something brewing there, and it, and I don't think it's there yet. I think you're going to see it growing, uh, and, oh. and that she's taking on a bit of a perhaps an amorous uh, attraction to Max. Yes, I was uh, thinking it's more. I, I don't know what Anne Bonny's background is, but I feel it has to relate to her and how how she got to who she is today or in the episode. And um, I feel it's just her trying to protect Max and not going down the same pathway that she once went. If that makes sense. But we, we they, they talk I don't think that. it's love. I think it's in episode five. They had that whole conversation where she says, "You know, I was in a situation where I was letting people push me and push me and push me, and they kept pushing me because I wasn't stopping them. Right. I finally started stopping them, and they stopped. Which and is why I don't think Max and um, and Bonnie are going to be like lovers. I don't think it's that kind of love. I I don't know. I think that, I think it could be there. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm I mean, it. I mean, there Me is too. tension. I'm not going to lie. There was tension when they're outside that door. And, uh, yeah, so at the end of the scene where she says, thank you for what you did for me, she said, I didn't do it for you. Yeah. So, I mean, that was where the, some of the confusion could have came. And she almost threw it in her face, like, no, I didn't do that for you. But Look, really. Maybe, maybe Max knows more than Bonnie does about Bonnie. Maybe, maybe, you know, she can see what's developing there before Bonnie does, you know, even knows what's what's stirring within her. And Max but is a, it's definitely a protection thing going on. There. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a protector. Yeah, and Max is a strong character, so it wouldn't be beyond the reasonable shadow of a Max is like really strong and dark. You know, mm. she's willing on principle to stay with the pirates and get you know gang, gang banged, raped, basically, rather than just to make a point to Eleanor. Mm. You know, uh, <laughs> she's like, I mean, that's strong. Yeah, yeah and she's a, a great actress in the show, and like I said, very strong character. And in fact, I think she knows more than she lets on. And, you know, I think hers is one of situation now, but she's looking to move her situation to something better. Absolutely. Um, and every time she's doing things to put herself in a better situation, that's why we you see the original relationship with Silver, because it was her way to escape the island. Nobody lives on that island unless they're ambitious. And everyone takes uh, a kicking in the teeth uh, and everyone tries to find love. You know, that, that's the way that world is. It's, it's very carnal and dark and visceral and you know everyone's leaving you know living just day to day and and pirates only live to like 26 years 23 old was yeah like, or something like black, that it's the like, black sales website yeah it's, it's like crazy because we were doing the research on these guys and going you know if you were 40 year old you were like you know over the hill old guy is a pirate you know so it, it's interesting uh, well what, what really did happen back in the day mr scott you know and his uh you know uh, when he was talking earlier, I mean, he said, yeah, there's no such thing as freedom. I mean, you know, you want to go, you know, Nassau or whatever, you're still going to be a slave. You're still going to be, you know, even if you are free, you're still a slave. I mean, all the people on the island in a way, like what you're saying, they're, I mean, they're all kind of slaves in a way. They're doing something. Well, even the captains are voted on. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's not like they own the ship or anything. And, you know, they're going to get mutinied if they do something wrong. So, they're slaves uh, you know. of the crew. Yeah, exactly. That's it's, Everyone is a slave. You know. So, speaking of being a slave, you know where I'm going to go with this? 
I hope that's not how you're going to go in that direction. No, I'm going to totally go somewhere different with that. Okay. Speaking of being a slave, there's one thing that we're all a slave to here at AfterBuzz TV. You still went the drill, I went there. I'm talking about iTunes. Can I switch spots with somebody? You cannot switch spots. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on our website. All of our podcasts for all of our 67 shows that we do here at AfterBuzz, over 67 hours of content every single week for free, is on iTunes. We'd love if you go out, check us out, leave us a comment, give us a rating. Uh, five stars is, of course, the best, which is what we shoot for. Because we've been in the top ten every single week here at Black Sales and the AfterBuzz family of all these shows. And that's because of you guys. So thank you for going on, checking us out. We want more ratings. We want more comments and followers. Uh, I do want to give a couple shout-outs this week to some people that decided to leave us some messages. Do it. I do. So first off, and I told you this before, and we know it's not a total credible source, but Ryan Burns, our new friend, uh, runs the Wikia page for the Black Sales, and he corrected me because last week I said the Interceptor, but the ship is actually called the Intrepid. Apparently, I was thinking of a different pirate show that has yeah. a ship called the Interceptor, oh. which we don't talk about here. Uh, he also gave me the name of the character that we have been calling Blackbeard, who we saw at the very, very end of this episode. Uh, his name is Albinus, hmm. and who is not Blackbeard. He's not Blackbeard, but not to be confused with Albanius, who's from Spartacus. Just to, to really confuse everybody. Uh, so he left us that comment on there. Also, uh, Senza Beats, one of our good friends who always likes to leave comments. She made a, a cool note, because we were talking about Vane and what's going to happen with Vane. Mm-hmm. Uh, that historically, because we talk a lot, too, about the historical aspects of the yep. show where they meet with fiction. Vane actually ran New Providence for a while, historically. So when he left the island last week, we saw that his thought process was, I'm going to go prove to myself what I'm capable of. So do you think that this is a potential for him to come back and, and run this town, if you will? Are we doing predictions? No, or? we're not doing oh, predictions. Okay. I'm just asking. I'm just posing a question. <laughs> well, you guys need to answer because I know more about what's coming up. TJ, what's going to happen in <laughs> yeah. episode eight? I, I'm just going to say Bane comes back uh, and it's all good. Uh, like It's good, it's good Bane, the way you're going to like him. You know, all it Ruthless took... is the way that I like my Bane. <laughs> and bare-chested. Yeah. You know, all it took, I think, for Bane, though, was that one night of you know, just him alone doing the, you know, getting drunk, getting high. You know, that's all the opium he was smoking. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. that's what it took. That's that was the kick in the pants that he needed. Um, I want to answer the question with a question. Can I do that? Yes. Okay. Will we find out with Vane if the scars? Because this was a huge topic on YouTube um, under our channel. Uh, if the scar is a compass scar, I don't know the what... scar that Vane has on his uh, upper left collarbone area yeah. that in the dream sequence in episode five eleanor touches as she's talking to him and encouraging him we debated about what the tattoo meant or if it was a, a, a I scar don't, or... i don't think it gets revealed okay i don't think it does yeah we had okay a, but was, it is something to we had a great something. debate okay. if it was so we're relevant. not crazy and no but this is a sort scar. of you know it's the sort of show where they plan things out two three seasons you know in advance so. we like that because that cool. means there's yeah. longevity for a yeah. show because yeah. so many shows now are on the tv and they're like oh Here's the first episode and the first season, but where's the the, the longevity of the show and where could it go? Can I tell a funny uh, you, you, Bane, uh, yes, uh, Zach, Zach McGowan? We love some Zach McGowan. Uh, Zach McGowan. He's a guy's fantastic. Lana says a man crush. Like, he's fantastic. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. so, so you, you notice he wasn't in this episode that much. Right. You know, this wasn't really a, a Zach episode. And uh, his wife is pregnant. Oh. So uh, nice. we're in South Africa, which is, you know, two and a half hours flight, two and a half hours flight. And the due date for when she was supposed to have the baby, we could work around his schedule. So we did. So he flew back here, stayed as long as he could. His wife didn't have the baby. He was in the air, 
as he got to the airport, landing back in Cape Town, she delivered, and she was delivering, and he watched the baby on Skype be Aww. delivered and talked to his wife on Skype. But he had oh, been there awesome. for five days waiting to see if. Well, she then, would congratulations, have Zach McGowan, for being yeah. a new father. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, awesome. That's, that's a, a great story. Yeah. <laughs> we did miss him in his bare chest this week and his tan. Yeah. His ab- those are real abs, right? Those are real abs. So it's... does he have to flex all the time or is he just casually like, hey, let me have that soda over there and it's just yeah, is there, are you making pack. people like spraying something yeah. on him or <laughs> no. He's and he's like just that, that greatly he's, tanned yeah, too. Yeah, he's ripped. Yeah, nice. it's crazy. That comes from dieting, I think, more than anything. I don't care, I like it, yeah. so it's fine. <laughs> and and <laughs> you know he's a celebrity chef too. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, a, he's a big yeah, he's a big chef. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Crazy. Good mm-hmm. things to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was one other thing that I saw since we were just talking about on the YouTube channel in the comments. Uh, somebody commented about the lifespan of the pirates. And since mm-hmm. you were talking about it, uh, and they were wondering if potentially some of the pirates are going to die off because, you know, they're they're historically dead at this point. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I wanted to say is, you know, based on this show and the historical re- references, none of the dates actually match up to what was really going on at this time frame in the island. Because, you know, Vane itself wasn't a captain at this point yet. Yeah. And so I don't I don't think we have to worry about Rackham dying because he di- he does die in real life around this time. This is historical adjacent. Yes, it's yeah. a fictional historical. <laughs> yeah. So so I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think we have to worry about Rackham disappearing anytime soon. But that okay. was all. I, I, I mean, like char- I I, all not. I'm going to say is characters die, characters disappear. This is uh, stars, and this is uh, so the, I was like cable get, TV is these days. I didn't want to go there quite yet, but I'm going to go there now because okay. it's the, the cans open. And I want to talk about Billy Bones. Yeah. Billy! So Billy Bones Billy. falls off the ship. You would think with those muscles he could just... <laughs> his yes. biceps. His biceps are bigger ship. than my head. It's, it's we, crazy. we talk about his biceps every single week. Oh, so it's noticeable that he wears a cut-off shirt. So yeah, Billy Bones in this episode, we kind of see a little a weaker side of Billy Bones because when the, the men are standing up to the captain and saying, if Billy, stand up for us, uh, we see Logan, the pirate Logan, uh, and he says it's such a terrible idea for them to dangle the four pirates off the edge of the ship. But Bones doesn't stand up against Flint because, you know, he's been having this mistrust of Flint. He finds the letter that he reads from Miranda that is written to the people in England. And he even talks to Gates about it. So do you think the reason he didn't stand up was because of the mistrust that he's feeling? I just I don't I feel Gates is kind of his little bird on his shoulder or angel on his shoulder telling him not to do it and I feel the crew is the devil's being like you should go read that letter because if he didn't read the letter and he waited till he got home I don't know why it was so urgent for him to read that letter right then and there in the dark when he knows that he's not supposed to turn on any kind of light lights out yeah he's very conflicted know. you know he's conflicted in the whole thing and you can see that, that Gates does just keep putting the thumb down on him holding him but Flint knows he's gonna you know give in at some point Mm. You can see it. You know that's not the type of character who's not going to. So the question then is: yeah. Is did Flint throw Bones overboard, or did he fall when the explosion from the Scarborough cannon hit the boat? That's the the real question. Well, did Flint leave the other guy behind when the boat was coming down in that last episode, or did he just kind of let him die? Do you know what I'm talking about? But that's a different situation. But it is no, it's the same kind of situation where this guy has information about Flint, Randall. and it could. Don't ram. Randall <laughs> didn't. Oh, I think you ran. It was Randall. Randall. Randall got his leg cut off. Yeah, last no, week. Randall yeah. got stuck. That's fine. He, there were two guys saving him. That was Flint, and then the guy that's name that starts with an M, Marlo, Marlo, Marlo. Yeah, Marlo. Marlo. Yeah. Yeah. So they were pulling him out. They were trying to, and the ship was ca- about to come Marley. over on them, yeah. and um, that guy got squished. Um, 
Nobody got squished. Only, yeah. No, only uh, Randall's leg. They got no, out. No, Randall and the other guy. Randall and Flint are the only ones that made it out. The other guy got squished under the boat when he had information about Miranda. Yes, he did. I disagree with that. <laughs> no, he died. There was squish and blood. Go We're going to go back and look. We have to go back and look at that. I disagree. I think that all they did was chop off his leg because they both pulled him out. No, they pulled him, but he didn't make it after the... They I pulled... disagree with that. Anyway, regardless, <laughs> that's not the question at hand. The question at hand yes, is... Yes, it is, because no, but... Flint pushed him under the boat, which if my theory... Okay, fine. If he pushed him under the boat, then do you think he threw Billy Bones yes, off the edge? Yes, because Billy has information against Flint. Sorry, I don't mean to get really heated in this. No, it's but... good. I like it. I like we get it. heated sometimes when you're debating these shows. And Flint has super hearing, by the way. Everyone seems to have super uh, him hearing. Him and Silver, superhero. <laughs> Silver has super hearing as well. Yeah, so, always knows. What's That's going why on. those two get along so well. Which I, I want to see more scenes with both of them. I think Fli- Silver's got like a most amazing memory too. Super, <laughs> super. Mer- did you, see that, did you see that page? Yeah. Yeah. To- <laughs> the one page that he memorized with, with the drawings and sketches. diagrams and all. I remember that. looking at that page, going, "What the hell? I couldn't memorize this if I had you know." If you had a week to memorize yeah. it and rewrite yeah. it and draw yeah. it out a bunch of times. <laughs> so no, I, I think that that's a very important question to the events coming. Because if Billy was thrown overboard, what does that mean if Billy comes back? Well, maybe he wasn't thrown overboard. Maybe he was dangling and Flint had the choice to save him or not. Or not. And so he is like, he still dangling off the edge of the, the ship right second, now? And the split second he said, oh, no. And, oh, there goes Billy, who so, can swim really well because he's got nice arms. So that's not going to be a so problem. Yeah, so are we assuming <laughs> he's dead or are we assuming? I'm not. Well, I don't think he's dead. He's I just dead. think Flint had a... Per, like hand and not giving a hand and helping him. That made no sense. I was trying to tie it with the hand. Do you know what I mean? No? I do know okay. what you mean. But right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this and there's a, a reason it. behind uh-huh. all this and this is the reason I'm asking. So, and I'm, I'm not getting into predictions yet, but in the trailer for next week's episode, they're talking about killing Flint and the potential to, to kill Flint. So, with Bones potentially being gone, you know, are there the means to kill Flint? Because no one's really there. If it's just Gates to stand up for him, how long can Gates stand up to that? And w- what does this mean for Flint in the future? The other thing that I'm getting at, and the reason I'm asking these questions, because historically, obviously this is historic adjacent, but historically in Treasure Island, which is the the series has said this is where they're leading, is mm-hmm. to the point where Treasure Island begins. Flint is dead or gone because they only mentioned Flint as a figure and how great he was. But Billy Bones has the map. And he's the one that the pirates are chasing because they're trying to get this treasure map. So I'm just trying to tie some things together here. <laughs> now in a neat little now you're trying to figure out whether Robert Louis Stevenson is yeah. actually guiding this so, so how much, <laughs> from, how the, much from the grave or not. <laughs> how much influence is Black Sails taking from Treasure Island? Or is it merely the, the concept and now they're totally changing the, the aspects and making it their own? Which is fine. I mean, that'd be great. So is Bones dead? No. He's not dead. <laughs> Are you going to cry? If he's dead, yes. <laughs> but I have Vane, that, so Vane comes and that, back. That's where I'm going with this. I'm trying to, to see if there's... For us as an audience, are, are we picking up these correlations? Modest, what, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that there's potential that Billy is coming back or gone and that it's going to lead to other things? Uh, well, actually, I would... All right, no, I like his character, but I'm saying as a show as a whole and even from... Um, I would like him... This is going to sound so wrong... Um, I think he is dead. And what, why is because what, what I think it'll make Black Sails even um, a better show because that means, oh, you know, a main character or a star 
is probably not going to last the whole season. I mean, and I like shows like that. I like, oh man, because that will keep me guessing. Oh, is Flint going to go this? I mean, and he's one of the biggest, is, you know, is Silver going to go? I mean, and if they're going to take all these liberties, if they're, if they're throwing Treasure Island out and they're just, you know, and like, whoa, it's going to keep me guessing. And if you think about other great shows on television that are these epic shows that have periods of time and whatnot, think about Game of Thrones. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> End of season one, they kill. Don't do not do it. Nah. Don't do I'm it. I'm just saying, he is the king. Don't do it. With this. What are you doing? I'm just <laughs> saying. So there's potential. I'm going to say, if you watch Spartacus, I killed number two on the call sheet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so th- there is potential for a, a, a show. I have a history of killing. Uh, that has an epic feeling. Yeah. I mean, characters. there's but, potential to kill major, major characters. Right. I mean, yes. And uh, PJ, you were mentioning that. Black Sails is like the pirate version of the, of the Wire. The Wire did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, season three of The Wire killed two of the biggest characters, but that's another story. So you uh, want Billy to be dead? Yes. Go go sit in the corner. Just, you're on timeout. You're on go. timeout. Go. Look, it's, it's part of the fun of cable television, and I think that's why television is really interesting these days. Is like when you would have the five leads on a, a network show, you, you they go into a fire, you know they're all coming out. Yeah, they never touch them cable shows people don't come out and that's what's interesting that's what's fun about it you know especially now. Music. you're scared <laughs> that Billy's not coming back and, that, and, that, and, that does, and that's what as an audience I mean if you watch you get bored with the shows where people you know they're always going to survive even if there's a threat of them uh, and I do, I do an after show for intelligence uh, on CBS and there was an episode where the main character he's a secondary character but he could have been killed and they didn't kill him and I feel like they missed the boat on that whereas in these shows where you kill a character that you have attachment to now it creates a whole new world of opportunities for them because there's so many different ways now that things can go the, the crew can mutiny the crew can go back behind gates i mean yeah. there's a lot of opportunity then look billy not being around is going to really stir things up yeah because now like i said gates is by himself yes gates is is good when he's got billy beside him to help calm things down or vice versa but when there's only one of them trying to talk down this crew of men who are already angry and potentially mutinying it takes a lot of power away from the people in power. Absolutely. So, so I mean, regardless if Billy's coming back or not, it, it just, <laughs> it's changing the dynamic of everything. So I'll wait till next week. You're gonna, finale. You're, you're gonna pout until next week. <laughs> so next week when we come back, if Roy is still crying about Billy Bones, we know why. I'm not the only one that's gonna be crying. I'm too. sure that everyone's Very crying handsome about. Very handsome dude. <laughs> so speaking of handsome dudes, somebody else on the. Uh, a YouTube channel made a comment and they actually compared me to Liam McIntyre Spartacus from the TV show Spartacus he's like you look like the guy from Spartacus you and I was like okay do have a Liam face I mean I'll take it I'm gonna see Liam later tonight I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell him we said hey check him out yeah. <laughs> send Zach McGowan our way as well so that the man crush can play out yeah Zach will come talk to you <laughs> it's fine so you, you know the trailers for uh, Deadliest Catch when they go next week on Deadliest oh, yeah. Catch? It's actually Zach. Is it? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. I, I Man, world class chef, yeah. rift pirate. Yeah. I mean, voiceover guy. Voiceover guy. <laughs> new <Father>. dad. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, what, what doesn't Zach McCowan do? Uh, and he catches his own fish. He he dives. He dives with snorkels and spears. Oh, I bet he, he holds his breath thing. for like eight minutes. He does. <laughs> I he mean, does. He's, he's Aquaman. Oh my uh, God. Sorry, where were you going? Before, wow. before we got Zachified. <laughs> That's a new, we're going to use that. We're getting Zachified this week. Next week, I hope we get Zachified next week. Zachified. Um, just the way, um, so you directed this episode, you're directing the uh, season finale. Now, uh, we were talking before uh, 
be, you know, before we tape this, you were talking of the, the camera tricks of how now it's a lot more shaky. It's a lot more handheld. Uh, do you mind, um, why, why that approach? And do you like it more? And I mean, for me as a viewer, it added to the intensity, especially now that we're building up into these big action scenes and we're seeing a, l a little bit more action, a little bit more yeah. action. Do you mind going into that more? Well, it's a bit of a franchise uh, stylistic thing that, you know, when we started the series, there were crane shots and it was kind of a heavy camera, very classical uh, way of storytelling. And then in second uh, season... Episode three, they started to do a little bit more handheld, mm -hmm. and I think the executive producers realized that that's kind of what they wanted to do because it was what was unexpected. You don't expect a period piece pirate show to be uh, handheld and to have that sort of kinetic uh, energy to it, and we all started to embrace it, and at first I kind of thought, oh, handheld doesn't seem to make sense for a pirate show, and it's like, why not? Why not? It is like The Wire. It's, it's I... visceral and energy, and so... By the time we get to the season finale, the entire episode, like, it's never on a dolly, it's never on a crane. Every shot is handheld. And I think that yeah. concept is a twofold thing. With our generation currently, so many people are getting little Canon cameras or shooting things on their iPhone or doing things handheld or they're making these YouTube videos and so much of our society's attention span has become that style of editing and video where it can be very choppy and very shaky and we accept that and embrace that as our basically the style of our generation. Uh, but I think too, then what it does is it gives us a sense of action because you feel like you're actually in the action where, you know, if you're on a dolly and the ship's exploding and thing, but everything is really smoothly setting there, you're okay with it. But then, you know, last week and you see when they're taking the ship and they're following around the accountant, uh, and it's shaky and it's smoky and there's yeah. stuff splattering on the screen and you feel like you're following him. Yeah, and you'll, you'll find that there's more and more of that coming uh, in the next two episodes that we actually started to go, look, if we're at water, water would hit and we, we let the water just yeah. rest on, you know, instead of cleaning the lens, mm -hmm. we put it, in the season finale, it's, uh, we just keep soaking the and, lens. And they did that and actually in episode one when uh, Flint is beating the guy, Singleton's head in with a mm -hmm. cannonball, blood splattered on the camera, on mm -hmm. the lens, and there was just a splatter of blood yeah. on the screen and it was there for a minute. And then they changed the angle. Yeah. But, I mean... Yeah, we started to embrace all that, and we really just put you into the middle of the action. And, and we started to move the, the camera closer and closer to the actors rather than going long lenses. We, we were really doing a lot of the close-ups right in here, so it was very intense. And I remember Mark Ryan the first time we had the camera right here. Right in his like, face. Jesus Christ, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's like, but it just gives a really interesting uh, feel to it. I think that there's a lot of things like that can be said about that camera style. So it'll be interesting to see how it does to draw us all in as audience in the next couple episodes. Um, but before we get too much more into TJ Scott, let's finish talking about this episode. Yeah. What do you think? Okay. I, I mean, we're, we're getting to the, we're almost the, there. Yeah, we're almost yeah. there. We got the, the Max and the and Bonnie scene. I think this, mm -hmm. this is a, a pinnacle point of this episode because we see that, again, we talked about she swallowed her pride at the very beginning of the episode. And Max, uh, you know, is still on the beach and Bonnie's watching over her and Bonnie goes to Eleanor Guthrie and says, we need to do something about this, make this plan. And basically they get silver involved because they need somebody to help them. Silver plays his role to perfection, gets uh, Hummond basically to believe Hammond, if you will, to believe that he was actually betrayed, that they still had the money and he should go talk to Jack right now. He had to figure it out. They show up at the this, this scene, uh, again, we talked about with uh, Jack and, and Bonnie in bed together, 
And then we saw this cool, softer side of Anne Bonnie, if you will, without the hat for the very first time. She was like a girlfriend. I know. She was very, she's, <laughs> Claire Pesh is very lovely. Oh, so beautiful. beautiful. We'd, we'd love to see her more, see her face, and have her say cunt a little bit less. <laughs> but it's fine. Because then they said, no, your money is still there, and it's at the wreck. The, the, the cove where they basically had the scene originally where they were supposed to get the money, and they were supposed to make the trade with Silver to get the map pages that, that they had. I liked the scene, and I like action scenes where people are getting killed, but there's something else going over top of it that's very subtle. So it's not about the noise of screaming and swords and people getting stabbed and explosions. It's about Silver's monologue and about how ruthless Eleanor is Mm -hmm. with this undertone of Anne Bonnie going and stabbing Hammond in the gut. Yeah, and well, and then the other thing that goes on top of that, too, when you're talking layers of stuff is that... Rackham has been uh, wasn't in on the whole ploy, right? So Bonnie, who's his lover, has gone behind his back and orchestrated all this. So you feel his angst and his betrayal too. So you realize, yeah, because he thinks everybody he, will go behind everybody's back here. He thinks he backstabbed her, yeah, and didn't realize the whole plan. But I like the little point at the end where he he says, you know, why did you do this? And she goes, I I told them you would pick me over them. Yeah. yeah. So that shows the the depth of the relationship because they have had a strong relationship and they do trust each other and they do work together well, um, and, and that's been developing through the entire season. Mm-hmm. And now that it's down to just them from the ship, that they that even starts to you know mm-hmm. uh, bloom more. The fact that they're the last two from their ship. Can I ask a quick question Why about I'm the being... scene when Anne Bonnie st- uh, stabs the guy in the gut? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously that's written in the script but do you know why it was why she like just killed him in the gut type thing versus a more gruesome death it's more painful it uh cuz for uh, what he did towards max it seemed i was expecting more of a she was going to chop something off and get torture very, him a little bit yeah and make she did him... actually pull out all of his intestines but it didn't ended up on the editing floor oh, okay <laughs> she pulled out all his entrails through that like with her hole. hand or just yeah Oh, reached in and grabbed them, and pulled them out. Oh, wow. Okay, then that awesome. definitely would have been... <laughs> somehow. Somehow it ended up on the. Somehow that okay. didn't make the final cut. But no, too. I think in terms of the stabbing in the gut, you know, if you're talking about getting shot or stabbed in the gut, generally those were wounds you couldn't heal, um, and you would bleed to death. But they were very painful as well. So, like in your abdomen, if you're moving at all, so if you the basically you would suffer yeah. with that kind of wound. Well, I was just curious because we saw Flint kill the guy with a, a cannonball Where in the beginning. His head. Exactly, so he it was wasn't... very like whoa. And then well, this the one thing was like, too is it's Hammond, and he's a big guy, and yeah. she just kind of went after him with that's true, you know, with just that, and, and uh, he, he could have manhandled her, and he had her by the throat. So okay, uh, just happened to be. Uh, the I think it got stabbed. cut a little bit tighter than uh, it could have played a little bit longer. Maybe if longer. if that yeah. showed Eleanor's power wouldn't be so powerful. Maybe that was the dialogue just didn't really maybe match with. Well, that, that was part maybe. of it. The time yeah. of the dialogue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Silver did like say have that very powerful speech talking about Eleanor and how yeah. it's Eleanor he should fear and it's Eleanor who has power mm-hmm. because you know she's making major moves in New Providence and is looking to push people out who are against her and looking to have all the power and all the control. So I think that that's going to again play into her wanting to be the queen of the island, if you will, in that monarchy situation that I was talking about. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it in, in the storytelling, too. We we knew where Anne stood at that point, mm-hmm. and we knew she was, you know, a killer. And that's all you really needed to get out of that, even though it was kind of cool and gross to see the, mm-hmm. the way she really killed him. And but, just to see that she was the but, one that twisted the knife. But it was time. more about Eleanor's, you know, getting that, rise, that rise to power at that point. Yeah, and historically, Anne Bonny was a very ruthless, well-known pirate. Yes. She's one of the, the real pirates on the show that have been written in uh, and was also in Treasure Island as well. So we know a lot about her historically. 
I think that I think we're good. Do we get enough? Do we have enough black sales in our, our we, life? Well, real quick, I just want to point out, I liked how it was, we opened up the episode with Max being in her prison type thing. Mm-hmm. And then we end with, well, it didn't end with just her, but it was one of the last few scenes with her in her new home, mm-hmm. back in her own home. And it's yeah, just kind to, of, back to the whorehouse. But she's still like in a prison of her own. Yeah. I just like that. Good, great, great. No, because that was, uh, <laughs> you know, that was a very specific, it was, it was a book ending, you know, yeah. it, was, it was kind of a, um, uh, opening and closing with those sort of imagery uh, was really important for the Max story because Max is a really important character mm-hmm. and yeah. continues to be incredibly important, you know, as it goes along the series. And she's, you know, I think one of the best characters on the show. So yeah. uh, I like Anne Bo- I don't know. I like a lot of them. I we love everybody. Good. They're all good. Yeah. We love all you guys. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Except so, for one, Mr. Eleanor. Except for Mr. Guthrie, <laughs> Guthrie who you yeah. don't like. <laughs> Mr. Eleanor. <laughs> you, Mr. Eleanor Guthrie. <laughs> I still like him, whether you do or not, because I like his manipulation and power. Whatever. It's fine. Okay. So I think we've talked enough about Black Sales because we have a much more important thing to talk about right now, and that's Mr. TJ Scott. Oh, Coming in to join us in the studio here today. Uh, giving us some time, so we thank him very much for that. So you've been doing TV for a long time, You're a very long time. Yes, a long time. <laughs> I mean, I was looking at some stuff on IMDb. You're a very hard man to internet search as well, by the way. Really? So for for doing 1990 was the earliest that it went back for television things. However, there's very limited things about you on the internet, so that's something to be proud of. And you're that's good. <laughs> I mean, I, it depends if you're, you're looking for that to be a lot of things about you or very limited things about you. But so. One of the things Quite that Quite honestly, I just like my work to speak for itself. Yeah, or no, anything that's great. else. And that's actually yeah. watch my shows. One of the first questions, because uh, I, I wrote down a bunch of shows. So, like Young Hercules. Yes. You did stuff on Xena Warrior Princess, La Femme Nikita, Kung Fu, Robocop, Hercules, and Spartacus. So, all these shows are very stylized uh, and the, the way they work. So, do you think that, like, you yourself have a, a stylization that fits into these shows? And the way that you, you film and you work. I, I think it depends on what show it is. Like, uh, I mean, you're going way back here. But, oh, I went way uh, back. But, but uh, like Young Hercules, you know, I directed the pilot, the two-hour pilot. Yeah, so I kind of really created the style of that. And Zine, I was on very early on as uh, Even Top a, a, Cop back in 1990. Man, you're going way back. <laughs> I, I, I did a little research. So, uh, you know, quite quite often the director, director-producer can come in and have a lot of influence on the style of the show uh, and the look of it. And I tend to be fairly camera driven to some extent uh and, and then sometimes you go on a show where you know you're you're trying to fit in within the, the look of it and you don't imprint it quite as much uh, like a show like orphan black that i do now mm-hmm. that's has, a show that's coming out after box sales has a has a style of its own and we try and you know not change it at all you know you you get to add your your special sauce to the, the big mac but we don't change it a huge amount what uh, would what would be your special sauce then with black sales uh, oh, we'll co- wait till the season finale, and then we'll talk about that. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> the season finale kind of let loose. You got a little crazy on that end? Well, no, it was just this was a very contained episode on purpose, and that one's uh, more of a broader, wide-open show. Uh, it's a finale. It has to be. Well, we, t- we talked a little bit, too, before this, uh, going back to Black Sails, but this episode was completely at night. Yeah. So mm-hmm. every single shot, there's no free shots, has to be lit with candles. And yes, you don't have, you don't have the range for camera motion and movement and whatnot. Yeah. And, and I mean, just lighting takes a huge amount of time to get that sort of look. Especially uh, in some of those scenes, you know, when they're at the wreck area where all, there's all the rocks and different things like that, or even on the boat where they have limited space. Now, was your boat that you used, was that, that was a full boat they built, right? 
Yes. Was there, were there sections in the shots where you're on a set piece that's built to look like a boat? Yeah, or, or was, if we're in the captain's cabin, that's a separate thing on a separate stage. If we're where down you're not where the slaves were being held and, and where Bryson's thing, that's a different set. So the boats actually spread around a bunch of different uh, studios even. Uh, but then there's a, a full-sized boat, that, uh, and then there's a half boat. So when you looked at those two boats side by side, one of them is actually a half of a boat, which is still huge. One's yeah. 250 feet long and one's 125 feet long. Is that all? Only 125 yeah. feet? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, they're they're massive, but it's a half boat purely so we can spin it during mm-hmm. shots. So you can get different angles from yeah. quickly and set up. Yeah. It's, it's fun when they do that, when they take things apart like that, and you have like half the side and the other side where you can film from different angles. I was on a shoot and they had an airplane, and they took the airplane apart, and they yeah. shot from different angles in an airplane yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That was an interesting question. So I actually had a question then as well from uh, one of our Twitter followers. So you've done a lot of TV shows, and I wanted, they wanted to know what was the show that you've been the most proud of? Like, you saw the finished product, and you're like, wow. Oh, it's normally the last show I did. <laughs> so at this point, Orphan Black. <laughs> I, I actually just finished filming on Orphan Black, uh, and I really like it. But, you know, Black Sails is on now, and I just, uh, you know, I love this. And it's normally the last thing I did because it feels fresh and new. And, it's the newest thing. Uh, so then let's, let's go back. At least five years ago. What's <laughs> in that time frame between 1990 and about five years ago? Uh, I, I think uh, other than this show, Orphan Black really is because Orphan Black's just kind of a breakout hit and it's so interesting and different. And uh, it's uh, working with Tatiana Maslany, who was nominated for Golden Globe and won mm-hmm. the Critics' Choice Award and won uh, so many awards. Uh, it, you know, and we directed those. You know, she's. I mean, the, the way you direct that show, though, is you walk around with a net, and uh, she drops magic, and you just try and catch it as so it's dropping down. And that's that's how you film it <laughs> as a director. But if you're too planned, you'll never catch the magic. You never get them in their Because it just kind of drops, and you never know where it is. So uh, that, that's what I'm pretty proud of. Gives it a good freestyle. Yeah. Yes, no, go ahead. I've got, I got more questions. Oh, you mean more questions? Do you have more questions? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is a little bit of a random one. Mm-hmm. But I believe in your IMBD Pro picture, or picture, you have a video game controller in your in your hand. Was that the picture? No, I have, that... a, I have a camera in my that's hand. Oh, it's a camera. Uh, his, I rarely, his, I rarely oh. don't have a camera in my hand. That's his Twitter picture, actually. Oh, it's his Twitter picture? Yeah. Here's what, a picture you... of him in the blue shirt with a Oh, camera. there's always, if there's a picture of me, there's a... a, a Stills camera in my oh, hand. Well, this just got really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so it's on the wrong page. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Just kidding. But, but actually, that leads into my next question, yeah. which is great. Oh. So, because you do a lot of work with photography aside from directing. So, did your you know your passion in this? Did it start as photography and move into directing, or did you always want to be a director and have since moved into photography? It kind of went both ways. I mean, I, I, I was given my first camera when I was four years old, and you know, shot out all the film in it, and then just walked around without any film in it. You know, filming things and framing things when I was four and five years old. And then my my parents used to tell me that then they would buy me film for when I was like, you know, uh, a birthday or something. And I'd put in the little 12 or 15 pictures that you got and I would go and snap the shots I've been practicing. So I've been framing my entire life uh, and working with the camera. But then I went into film first and then back into photography. And then the last five years, the photography thing kind of exploded. Has taken off. So let's talk about In the Tub then. Uh, in the Tub is a coffee table book. I was shooting a lot of fashion. Let me let's go back to it. I was shooting no, fashion and I was shooting editorials with actors and for magazines. And like three years ago, I shot uh, 15 magazine covers, 250 pages of editorials, three CD covers, all within one year. And then I got this idea to 
screw all that. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a book, and it's gonna profit breast cancer research. So I started to shoot a book called In the Tub, and it's portraits of actors, recording artists, models, all using a bathtub as a common setting, and all the profits go to breast cancer research. And yeah, according to from what I saw on the website, you had raised in your your Kickstarter about eighty one thousand dollars. Yeah, and that was just on Kickstarter, just to go towards the book to sell. We sold out the first printing within uh, six weeks, and we're into the second printing now. And I'm actually shooting volume two of the book now, so I'm going to shoot two hundred people in the bathtub nude. Uh, well, a lot of them were nude. I saw that several of them had some kind of clothing on, or it's kind of because I was segueing from fashion. Now they're all pretty much nude, all pretty much nude. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all implied. Uh, and so I'm shooting two hundred people. For the next one, I'm 75 shoots in. Which includes our good friend Jessica Parker Kennedy. I shot her for volume one of the book, yeah. Yes, Max, yeah. if you will, is in the book. Yeah. But the, the, was this before? You shot her before? Black I shot Sales? her a year before Black Sales. Uh, her publicist knew that I was doing this book and uh, said, hey, I have this actress. I think it would be perfect for your book. Why don't you shoot her? And, and the shoots are super quick. Oh, yeah. Like, be, people are in and out in an hour. I shoot them for 10 minutes. Hmm. Like, and the photos are great. You can see a lot of them uh, on the website as well, which is... It, well, if you go TJ Scott in the tub... Uh, There's a great YouTube video, you know, too, with some cool guitar music. Yeah, in, in the tub. The just, just look up in the tub. <laughs> has a list of a lot of the actors in no particular order. Yeah. That are in there. You know, it's everyone from uh, Larry Hagman. Uh, before he passed away, I shot him in the tub. And Stacy Dash and Diva Zappa. And, uh, you know, there's an eclectic mix of people. And it's really interesting. And 22 of the cast members and people from Spartacus, including Stephen Denight, the creator of Spartacus, and Liam and... Pretty much the whole cast. All the, all the ripped guys that are in the yeah, tub. Yeah, yeah. and like. the ripped women, too. <laughs> There's a lot of ripped women in that show. Yeah. So uh, do you, how much have you raised so far? Uh, I think we're probably at about 175000 But Excellent. now going into the second printing, it'll really... Now it can really start to take off uh, because the costs and everything you know, get, get amortized a lot. It's easier to do a second printing than the first. Ha- have you uh, already started booking actors and actresses for that? Are, are there some names that we can expect? Uh, let's see. I, uh, um, well, I have a show called uh, coming up called Bitten. I saw Bitten. Bitten. Actually, yeah. I, are, is there going to be season two of Bitten? Well, I, I did the season finale of this one, so they haven't uh, greenlit it yet. But uh, Laura Vandervoort, who's the the star of it, is in the book. Um, Sarah Carter's in it. Uh, Jewel State's in it. Uh, so I'm shooting some really interesting people. Yeah, they've uh, they've been uh, Bitten's been pushing on Twitter to, for their second season to try to get you know some publicity. It's a, it's a it. really cool show, and it really picks up and it, it gets going. And uh, I think the season finale is in like a month, but uh, it's 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 big and cool too. So it's kind of fun. I got two season finales in, in within a month of each other. That's awesome. Yeah. So before I, I go into my last question and we go into predictions, yeah. you guys have anything else you want to add in? Um, yeah, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but when like how does how did you get selected to direct this episode and the finale? Uh, I uh, I would have to say I was a star's hire on, in this case. Uh, I'd done some huge episodes of Spartacus, and they knew that they wanted someone who could handle some really big stuff because the season finale is really big. So they just they had a vision in their head of what they wanted, and they knew that you would be able to execute it. Yeah, and that's kind of how it works. Either you know the executive producers well, or the studio knows you, or uh, and, and you get hired that way. So. Uh, uh, I met with the executive producers and we got along great. And, uh, Is that how your relationship with Star started when you did stuff with Spartacus? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and we did some big stuff on Spartacus. Yeah. And leads into my last question, I swear. Um, <laughs> You're good. We got so for these episodes, do you have control over what kind of music or is that, again, just the producers that have control over that? 
No, I mean, they a fantastic composer on this. Uh, Bear, yeah, who's, Bear. Is, mm-hmm. is, like, unbelievable. We've and actually been working on to try to get in as a guest as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, when you got him, it's like, oh, that's great. But uh, when we're cutting, we always put in music. You know, we just pick something that goes in that we kind of feel like this is sort of the feel of it. And it, it helps guide a scene as you're going along. This episode didn't actually have a huge amount of music in it. They, no, they, they very little. A lot of it stripped out. It was interesting. We normally put in more when we're cutting it because the sound effects and everything aren't there, mm-hmm. so it kind of just guides it a little bit. Yeah. You know, and, the, and then once you put in the creaking of the ship or whatever it is that's supposed to go in there, it, it fills it out so you can pull the music out. But yeah. That's cool. So this yeah. is also a question that I asked Mark when he was in here. Uh-huh. Uh, what is your favorite Black Sails character? Oh, you can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mark's, after a, a great debate, decided that Max was his favorite character. Really? So... Um, oh man, this is really tough because I love them all and I love them all for and, different and reasons. You can't, you can't say that. Come on. <laughs> Don't say that. Well. And, and it doesn't have That's to be, a cop out. It doesn't have to be an actor based thing. It has to be necessarily a character in the show. So as they contribute to black sales in the big picture. Yeah, I know what? I, I just got, I got to say it's, it's Flint. And it's only Flint because he's driving everything. You know, it's, it's based around him. Yeah. Uh, and, and certainly when it comes up to the season finale, it's very Flint driven. But you know what? All, all those actors are so fun to work with and all so good with their characters. And uh, uh, I just loved working with all of them. Uh, and a co- a Toby, who, who plays Flint, you know, uh, comes from acting royalty. <laughs> I mean, his mom's <laughs> you know? kind of a big deal if you don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> his mom's Maggie Smith, <laughs> who I have a crush on. You know, yeah. It's kind of awkward <laughs> when I had to tell him I had a crush on his mother. <laughs> I mean, you're allowed to. I, I have a crush on some older actresses, too. It's yeah. okay. Yeah, she's just so fantastic in uh, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, I, I would guess Flint just because he's driving the story. Excellent. There you have it, right? Nice. Ladies and gentlemen, TJ Scott, all you have to know about... The world of black sales. All right, so this is one of our favorite parts of the show. After Buzz TV, Do we sing? no, <laughs> oh. we're going to talk about next week's predictions. Uh. And now your After Buzz TV predictions. All right, so as we saw in the trailer for next week, uh, Gates and Flynn are debating the letter. Miranda is explaining about things that happened, and there's a plot to kill Flint. Can I go last? I cannot be involved <laughs> in predictions. Honest. I've read, I've read the scripts. <laughs> you know what's hard. Right. Well, first of all, first of all, the that those last that minute was very vague. It was very vague. We we saw no Bane in that at all. And which for the political flint? No, just Bane. You know, Bane. And, oh, the la- yeah. very last minute of the episode where we get Bane uh, right. when he shows up oh, on the island for Nominus. Yeah, but we're gonna see more of that in next week. I want to say though, this is not a major plot point, but I kind of just I feel now Max is back in the whorehouse. Eleanor is going to be there, and also Bonnie. There might be some tryst action. A little there. femme detention. I think so. That ACDC thing going on. Since I mean, you do have the ACD button on your shirt. I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It, it, I pinned it on my tux. So yeah, on the tux. Indeed. But I mean, I don't know. I just. I think. It's gonna be there's gonna be some hot and heaviness between the three there. TJ, do you have anything you want to add in? No, I can't say a thing. About <laughs> you want to give us some pretend predictions? No, I, 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 I will tell you this just to make you happy that Vane's in the episode a lot. Excellent. Is he shirtless a lot? That was my question. He is. I knew it was your question, and you were writing. That's why I went ahead and did it. All right. He so. may be more than shirtless. Oh. Oh. Oh, well, okay. he, he was that all the time on Shameless, so yeah. <laughs> if you've seen Shameless, you've seen Zach McGowan. 
So I, I don't think Billy's dead. And I think that leading in, I'm not looking at your notes. I, I leading into the season finale, <laughs> I think that Flint could potentially be gone by the end of the show. By the end of episode, Flint could be killed off. I'm not going to look at TJ just in case he gives a facial. Just in case he gives a facial and gives it away. He's not even looking at me either. Um, I think too, we're going to get more with Miranda and her power that she's going to elude on everyone in her Black Widow status. So that's what I'm thinking. Yep. Gloria, what do you got for us? I agree. Definitely Miranda's going to be Black Widowing it up. Um, I believe Randall's going to be moving around this time. Uh, I'm hoping he comes back. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful for Betsy the cat to make an appear, appearance. And um, I'll get more serious. Uh, Billy's going to return, but I think he's going to return with Vane somehow. I don't know why, but I think Billy's going to be on Vane's side. And I feel there's going to be an Eleanor and Silver bound chicka wow wow. Think they're going to hook up? Oh, Ooh, I nice. think so. It could, it could happen. Or some tension towards it. I think we'll find out next week, won't we? <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, concludes this episode of Black Sales After Buzz TV. We appreciate you coming in. Uh, Roy, tell us where they can find you. You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HeyRoy. That's H-E-Y-R-O-Y-A. You can find me at, on Twitter at RestFiction. That's RestaurantFiction.com. And also the Banshee podcast on After Buzz TV. TJ, tell us where they can find some more information about you online or on your website, things like that. You can find me at, at TJ Scott Pictures. And uh, if you just put in In the Tub or TJ Scott In the Tub, everything on my book will uh, pop up. And uh, you'll actually be able to see lots of free pictures. Uh, yeah, go check out the, there's a cool little link about a lot of different pictures in the soundtrack to the, the Kickstarter campaign, which I saw. Uh, so go out and check out TJ Scott. Send him some love on Twitter. And as always, you can find me at RyanHooks92 on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Yahoo. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will catch you next week. Give thanks to Phil in the booth as well. See you later. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.